0: Hello, Space Watchers, and welcome back to a new episode of Space Cafe Radio. I'm Emma Gatti, a contributing editor at Space Watch Global, and today we're going to take you to no less of a destination than Mars. This is our first episode of our coverage of the Amadei 20 mission, which started on the 4th of October. AMADI-20, for those of you that don't know yet, is a Mars analog simulation based in the Negev Desert in Israel. The mission is managed by the Austrian Space Forum and is hosted by the Israeli Space Agency. Our guest today is Ms. Oliva Haider, a board member of the Austrian Space Forum and of the AMADI-20 Mission Mediacorp at the Mission Support Center, which is based in Innsbruck. Olivia, welcome to Space Cafe Radio and thank you for joining us today. Hello. Hello, Emma. Thank you for having me. And first of all, I think congratulations to you and to all the AMADI 20 team are needed because you guys just received a video message from the ESA Director General Josef Hashbahar uh, that congratulated the Austrian Space Forum for the high international visibility of the mission. So well done.
1: Yeah, thank you. That was really a, a boost in our motivation as well uh, to receive from uh, Josef a message which really stresses out the international cooperation we also having uh, during the MIT 20
0: mission. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. So yes. <laughs> if I can start by giving the listeners a sense of the scale of the mission by maybe presenting just a few numbers. So four is the number of weeks the analog astronauts will spend in isolation, six crew members, 20 experiments, and 100 researchers from 25 countries involved. So these are obviously a lot of people and a lot of effort. What's, what are you doing this? What's the idea behind AMD20? AMD20 uh, is our
1: analog research program. So AMD20 is not our first analog mission. It's already our 13th mission. So we have cl- uh, quite a long heritage in doing analog research. Analog research is a perfect opportunity also for smaller countries to get into human spaceflight. Because we can uh, train on Earth and simulate on Earth how it would be on Mars and learn about things not to do, optimize the workflows and so on. And we have quite a heritage in doing these analog missions and also quite some scientific publications on that one. So in in the community, we are known uh, about our analog research. And if you uh, talk to other people uh, in this section, they will always refer also to the Austrian platform because we are, after the Mars Society, one of the first doing this strong and high fidelity Mars simulation.
0: So the idea is to create a, a situation that is as close as possible to humans going to Mars and make as mistakes as possible. Fundamentally, just to do them here when it's cheaper than making them on Mars.
1: Correct. Yes. yes. Yeah, true. So it, it's much cheaper to make the failures on Earth. And there are so many things which are going wrong. Absolutely. Not, not only the spacesuits, but also from the procedures, from the workflows, which you have to establish. Because Mars is much farther away than the moon. And if you want to talk to somebody on Mars, you cannot do this in a direct way like we are doing now on on the Bitcafe Cafe radio. But there is a, a time delay, like light uh, needs some time to travel to Mars and back, in worst case scenarios, it's one way. Uh, So what we are doing is also simulating this time delay with a 10 minute time delay. Then all our communication is then text-based and we do do not really talk uh, to our analog astronauts on Mars. We only have text-based like chat communication.
0: And can you explain us a bit more, how is the setup of the mission? Where are they living? A bit how it works. Okay.
1: First of all, we have a Mars habitat in the uh, Negev Desert in Israel. Maybe you heard of the Ramon crater, which is a really uh, fantastic geological structure, which resembles craters on on Mars. And in this Ramon crater, there's a habitat. This habitat was constructed uh, by the d crew with support of the Israel Space Agency and was now adapted and uh, made bigger for the mission. So we have six analog astronauts, five men and one woman who are living uh, inside this habitat. Since last week, they are now also in isolation. That means uh, they're only allowed to go outside while wearing a spacesuit, And otherwise, they're in their habitat. That's one part of the mission. Then in Israel as well, we have an on-site support team. This team is, we we call them Ghosts of Mars because they help the analog astronauts, but they don't interact with them, like things which would be done automatically or Mars by robots or other robotic uh, things. They uh, help them, for example, switching on uh, Wi-Fi routers, which we need for our communication. There's uh, On Earth, we have the Mission Support Center, that's where I am. So we have also full teams of uh, flight controllers, of flight planners, of scientists and media people like myself who are. Supporting the mission, but there's a ten minute time delay, so we get no direct telemetry from our Mars. We always get a
0: time delay. I was just about to ask, how is it working? The ten minutes gap to simulate the Earth-Mars uh, distance—you actually do have uh, the delay.
1: Yeah, we have. You can uh, program it in the software. Especially, we are using uh, chat-based communication, so there's a, a chat who sends uh, messages ten minutes time delay. Depending where you are, like when you're on Mars, you receive the messages 10 minutes later from Earth and vice versa. The same is also for helmet and we get from the spacesuit, the time delay. So this can be done via software, via programming. That's
0: not a problem. And are you working on Mars days or Earth days? How does it work? We work on Earth days, so we do not simulate the, the
1: difference in the, in the day length. For our simulation, expect this is not necessary. So we have normal days, and we start early in the morning. In the recent days, we tend to start earlier in the morning, especially on Israel uh, on Mars side, to escape the heat. It's a little bit hotter than expected during M D twenty. So we try to shift the EBA's in the morning, but it's not uh, as hot as in the afternoon. So we start quite early, and we um, finish. Also, quite late, so that the days are quite long too. But we want to
0: fit in as much science as possible, and yeah, um. yeah. Because I was wondering, because I thought sunrise and sunset are gonna be an issue, they cannot simulate that, <laughs> it's too difficult. No. To <laughs> <learn>. <laughs> I have a, a curiosity, I just went to see the profiles of the crew members, and I noticed that they're all scuba or free water divers. Is this a characteristic that is needed among astronauts?
1: No, I don't think so. It's, I think people who uh, want to become astronauts or analog astronauts also do additional things like learning diving or learning, getting a pilot license because it, you get also a different aspect. Anyway, I, I myself, I am a diver. So if you go, uh, diving, you also are not uh, on this world. You are uh, swimming in the water. You have a little bit of, uh, nurture buoyancy. And it's, it's also an interesting aspect, especially for analog astronauts, to get a different mindset. I would say y- you have your equipment on, you have quite a lot of stuff to support diving. So I think it's also a good simulation aspect for planetary
0: analogs, so to say. You see, just for the record, scuba diving is one of the things that most terrifies me in life. So maybe these already disqualify ex- me from the list of astronauts. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, <laughs> but there are a lot of other things you, which are necessary. This is only one aspect.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to ask this question. I'm just super curious about the spacesuit, um, this special prototype specifically built for Mars. Can you tell us something about what's required for a spacesuit, spacesuit for people living on Mars?
1: Um, so we have built the spacesuit simulator, which mimics everything you would need to work on Mars. So that means you have several layers, the underwear, and we have an exoskeleton because we have to uh, mimic the the pressure you would have in the spacesuit and an outer layer which also supports you from uh, like psychomaterials and so on. It's similar to the uh, planetary uh, spacesuit. The Apollo astronauts have been worn, but for Mars, they would be much lighter because Mars has more gravity than the Moon has. What do you need Something which protects you from all uh, the radiation and and the, how is it a harsh environment? Because you cannot go just with your uh, with your normal coat outside on Mars. There's there's not the, the right pressure. There's not the right air. Not the right atmosphere uh, where you can survive. And therefore, you need a, a spacesuit
0: which can protect you from all uh, this... Easy climate control. Olivia, my final goal is just to have a climate control weather for the winter. So please tell me, am I going to have it in five years' time or not? <laughs> not sure. Let's say no. Let's say but... no. <laughs> You're crushing my hopes.
1: Well, if you want to wear like a 50 kilogram a a climate control coat, <laughs> then... <laughs> So feel free uh, to come to us and wear a space spacesuit. So that's an issue at the moment because there are many things uh, you have to think about. The spacesuit is, suit is like a, a spacesuit to where you have everything you need with spacesuit. You even can drink. You can go on wow. to the toilet. Uh, you have all the information displayed. Yeah. And so it's quite heavy with 50 kilograms, right on the limit. What people can wear over several
0: hours. Yeah, more than that, exactly. Last question. What would be for you the worst thing that you get that, that could happen as a prevision? Like what you, the worst uh, case scenario? In our Simulate Mars yes, mission exactly. generally? Uh, in the but Simulate Mars mission.
1: I, I really uh, hope it never happens. So nothing on, on uh, wood here. Uh, the worst case is, of course, it's, it's an accident or happens or somebody gets injured. Of course, the space the simulator, heavy, it is a risk going outside with a limited uh, view because you have a helmet on. So there are things they can happen, especially when they're driving with their quad bikes to go to places which are farther away. So this would be, of course, a worst case scenario. That's why uh, we have also our three S principles, safety, science simulation that means safety is always first and we always have safety people around which in any case can help if something happens
0: well thank you very much olivia for this fascinating insight into amadi 20 mission this is the end of our episode and but we will be back to talk about amadi 20 next time about life in the mars analog station and the process the astronauts are going through Olivia, thank you very much for your precious time and uh, I'm looking forward to hearing from Mission Control again. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Bye. <laughs> and this is Anne from Space Café Radio. Uh, till next time. Bye. Bye.